各位听众朋友，大家好，欢迎收听今天的野外中文播客。我是麦老师。Welcome everyone to today's this is a language in the wild podcast, the learning tips podcast. Today we're going to be speaking about a few different topics. We're going to be catching up, answering some of your questions about the camp specifically. I think a lot of you have asked really good questions about that, so we're going to kind of clarify some things. You can have that、uh, better clarified in your mind. That's a lot of clarity we'll be giving, and talking a little bit about this week's assignment,、uh, which is a little bit different than the previous ones. Okay, so just a little bit, really quickly, about the pre-camp program that we're doing right now that you're listening to, and just wanted to kind of better explain the objective. So remember, this、uh, this is a federal grant we're getting. So this comes from the The big federal government, this money, and so what they want is to have、uh, this summer camp be more of an experience and have kids better prepared when they come, so that be, so they can retain the knowledge a little bit longer. So what we've chosen to do with our program is do a little bit of a mix of English and Chinese, so that when we get to camp, we can be a hundred percent Chinese. So the idea being that at camp, if we can stay a hundred percent across all camp contexts, that's our whole goal. Then that will have the most improvements for you as a Chinese language learner, and so what my role here as the kind of lead instructor in the pre-camp program instructors, I'm trying to give you a lot of background knowledge in English, and then offer lots of the Chinese、uh, tools and skills that you'll need to survive in that 100% environment. So that's why we do a lot of this based in English because we talked about it a little bit in the first podcast, but we want to give you a background knowledge. Because if you have the English,、uh, even, no matter what language, if you have some background knowledge, it's a lot easier to learn new language. So if you already know the general concept of an idea, so a lot of you are pretty new to outdoor experiences, to camping, to farms, to ranches, and so we want to give you a little bit more information about all this stuff that you're going to be doing, so that when you get to camp. And also give you the language through the Quizlets and、uh, the kind of flip assignments and demo videos. So when you get to camp, you have a lot of the skills and background knowledge built up already, so that you can just need to you just need to start plugging in the Chinese for that. And、uh, we do encourage you.、Uh, it's not a requirement, but we are hoping all of you are in an active Chinese course right now.、Um, if you're not, like I do encourage you to find some sort of tutor. Or do an online program. There's so many good online tutor programs at this time that will really help you. It'll be really hard to go from zero Chinese to、uh, 100% Chinese. So, just encourage you. We're not going to require it. Those can be kind of expensive. We encourage you to get into some sort of Chinese course、um, if you're not doing that currently. And then during this pre-camp program, we'll continue to give you language tips, background knowledge, information, and、uh, just like general knowledge about outdoor living, nature. Nature-based things and uh, and uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I was going to say and also about farms, <laughs>、uh, farms ranching,、uh, kind of these nature-based experiences. Okay, so today we're going to answer some questions.、Um, first,、uh, we had a great question、uh, from someone about、uh, the Chinese and when you're going through the Quizlet、um, sets. Should, how much do they emphasize oral versus writing and reading? So I would say this: obviously, it never hurts you, and is always valuable to be memorizing those characters, looking at those characters. They're such an essential part. But we don't do a whole lot of reading and writing in this program. Our main emphasis is oral language. You'll notice when you applied for the camp, we did not assess your reading and writing. We, we In the next few pre-camp program modules, we will be doing a bit more reading and writing to kind of better figure out where people generally are 
are at in their reading levels, but it is more important to us about your, your oral proficiency. So we uh, will be mostly emphasizing listening and speaking throughout camp. We won't be doing tons of reading and writing, though in the nature journal that we produce, uh, there is writing within that. Um, but generally our, our main emphasis is the oral portion of it. Generally in a, in a language learning context, uh, the sequence is really important that you generally start with listening, then speaking, then reading, and then writing. So it's our philosophy and language teachers in general, if they can really, uh, raise up your oral language proficiency or speaking proficiency, that makes reading easier and that makes, uh, writing easier in addition to that. So we're just trying to really give you a boost mostly in the oral language department. And then uh, after that, you we encourage you to continue your Chinese language journey with the writing and reading uh, continually. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about groups. We've had lots of good questions. And so I'm going to just kind of paint some pictures here uh, with my words. And we're going to talk about these different xiaozu and how they'll be uh, organized. Like, 我们怎么组织这些小组? Okay, 组织, that to organize 小组 is, is a little group. Okay, so groups, there's a lot of questions about this and some maybe a little bit of concerns and so uh, some concerning things. So the first question was, will we be choosing these groups? And the answer is no. <laughs> uh, you will not be choosing your groups. How will the groups be chosen? That's another good question. Thank you for asking. So the groups will be chosen based on several factors. So basically every flip video you submit, all the things you're doing, uh, it gets us, it helps us get to know you a little bit more. Your, your Chinese proficiency, your kind of personality. So we are going to work really hard in really, um, what, customizing these groups to work well for the teachers and the students in the camp. So we'll be matching age and maturity level or some kids that are certain ages that are just not uh, are more or less mature than their kind of age reflex will be matching your Chinese proficiency level so there may be a bit younger kid that's in a higher group just because they're Chinese proficiency we're going to try to get a good mix of people from different places we want you to meet new friends make new friends if you're coming with a friend we're not going to necessarily say you get to be with that person all the time I know it's not uh, maybe feels a little bit uncomfortable, but uh, we're going to encourage you to kind of break out of that that uh, little group because that can really be hard for people that are coming here without friends, right? If there's kind of these little groups that form uh, really quickly because you know each other already, we're going to kind of break that apart. You won't be apart all the time, but you're, uh, you're obviously going to just be in uh, these learning groups, not necessarily with that person all day, 24 hours a day. Um, we're not going to like, <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to, um, What's the word? We're not going to demand that you never see this person, but we are going to kind of split those up generally. Maybe not. Maybe uh, it works well that you guys are in groups together. It's not going to be like the number one reason we organize a group. Um, we'll organize by kind of uh, gender, your, your, your identified gender that you've chosen, that you've given to us. And we say, okay, uh, we need to have a good mix there. Uh, we're going to, yeah, again, mix by geographic location. Uh, kind of outdoor experiences. We're going to have a mix of that. We're looking at the things you're interested in and having a good mix there. And so generally we're trying to have a healthy, balanced group. Um, your group will be your little family. Um, and uh, we're going to try to have these groups feel like a little family. You're going to work together. You're not going to be together for every single thing that happens, but plan on being in your group. Uh, we're going through centers, working together for about four to six hours a day. 
Now our days are really long here at camp. So that's not even really half, but uh, a lot of the learning portions you'll be in that xiaozu. Okay. So we name our groups as, um, each group is kind of an animal, an animal group. So like a, one of the groups will be mammals, birds, uh, you know, reptiles, amphibians, bugs, plants, those types of things. And then you actually get given a new name at camp. So, uh, you may already have a Chinese name, but we're going to give you a, and well, you're going to help select, uh, your own Chinese name, but it will be some sort of animal or plant that's connected to your group's, uh, kind of general category of, of animal in the animal kingdom or plant kingdom. So basically, uh, you'll work together that we're going to leave that as a bit of a surprise, how that ends up happening, how you get that name, but you'll you'll be that thing and that will help everyone around uh, also learn that word, right? Because you'll be identifying that and as as that and you'll be kind of acting that out and things like that. So that will be your, na- your name, your new name. That will be what people remember you as, we hope, after the camp. Oh, like, you know, oh, you're Huan Xiong, you know, you're, you're a raccoon or you're, you're Juju the spider and those types of things. So that will be a, a way that these groups are organized. Uh, you'll be doing your centers. You'll be learning together. You'll be doing group projects. Um, occasionally, we'll combine groups uh, together to do maybe certain activities. And then every day that there's open free uh, free time, it's independent time. It's not really necessarily free where you can just like really do whatever you want. Uh, we'll, we'll instruct every day kind of what the boundaries are. Uh, like, for example, we're not, maybe we won't go swimming every single day to depend on weather availability and things like that. We'll give you the options that you have, but we're not going to say you need to stay in your group for that. The evenings, you're not really in your small groups, except at firesides, you might do some performings and uh, performances, performings, performances of skits and things like that. Like it's a biaoyan, those little performances. And so, uh, but generally uh, the learning times will stay in those groups and then we'll do I won't talk too much about it now, but you'll do some fun tournaments of champions at the end with your groups, uh, kind of having fun, doing lots of the activities that we've worked on. Um, let's see, is there anything else about the groups? Yeah, occasionally it'll be combining of the groups. You'll make group goals together. That's a good thing to remind. And you have one teacher that will be your kind of core teacher. So they're, they're all native speakers. And so that's a kind of good thing to help you just get a little clarity about the roles at camp. So. Uh, I'm what's called the lead instructor, but I don't have a group connected to me. We want to make sure you have native speakers as your your core teacher, we call them. So uh, we, basically the way it is organized is I, my Laoshi, am the lead instructor, so I'm floating around. I'm the one that's uh, kind of building lots of the stuff, putting it all together, making sure the teachers have what they need. Uh, I'll run the rock climbing and things like that. They need special certifications, like I'm the lifeguard and things like that. Um, but you'll be with your group with a, uh, a certified instructor, a core instructor, we call them. Well, one of your instructors will be the head teacher. They'll kind of be leading, you know, fire, fireside groups and, um, kind of these fire every night we do these fire around the fire, um, sessions where we do a lot of cool stuff and, uh, kind of talking through some things. And so you'll have that native teacher will kind of be your group leader that you'll really get close to. And, uh, yeah, so then, uh, I'll be floating around. Bryn, uh, Bagley will be, uh, B. Lauscher is her name. She'll be the camp director. So she's the one that's, uh, kind of really, um, managing lots of the different activities, getting the food put together, uh, kind of coordinating a lot of the different things. And, uh, we have several counselors as well. They're usually, most of them are kind of younger, uh, Chinese speakers that have some outdoor experience and they'll be floating around helping with different activities. Like for example, like maybe at archery, we need to have 
maybe another adult there or during the the independent time maybe need a few more adults uh, kind of watching things while the teachers take a break and so they'll be there to be supportive of you a lot of the like field trips you won't necessarily have to stay in your groups except for specific activities so for example when you go like hike elkhorn peak uh, you're not going to have to require to stay in your group. We'll probably split up in those groups based on how comfortable p- people are feeling climbing at high elevations um, and those types of things. Like it may, it may be just a small subset of you want to make it all the way to the top and the rest of you make it to the saddle and and we kind of split up in those ways. So that's kind of how the groups will work. I hope that answers your questions um, about the groups. I'm sure you'll have a few more, but we'll de- we'll decide the groups kind of a little bit deeper into the pre-camp program after we've been able to watch your videos so those videos are super important make sure you're doing those Um, make sure you're doing all the activities here it's really helpful again it's required of the grant that we have it's kind of your way of paying for it Uh, you know it's free and so it's kind of your way of paying for the camp is by doing uh, these pre-camp activities and it helps us really get to know you things like that all right uh there's had a few more questions about bathrooms. And so we're going to talk a little bit about bathrooms here. So just so you're clear, so there's two camps. We've talked about this already, but there's the farm, farm camp and the mountain camp. Uh, so the first week, you're almost entirely at the farm camp. So the farm camp, when, as we're there, this is kind of down at the farm. It's It has electricity. It has like all the kind of amenities that we need. The bathroom there is a flushing toilet. And it has a washer and a dryer, and there is a shower there. It's an outdoor shower, but it's very private. It's actually being built now. That's partly what I'm working on. So I can't really show pictures, but it'll be like a cinder block building. You have your own personal stall with a with a toilet and a sink to go in. You can change. There's three of those stalls. Then there's a, a urinal, a big urinal trough <laughs> for people for. Uh, I guess the boys to take care of themselves. And so then there is an outdoor shower there and so the washer dryer. So you'll have rotations of when you have access to that washer dryer. It could be when no one's using it, like say during your independent time, you really want to wash something, you could use it then. You just got to talk and get permission. The showers will be the same thing. We'll have designated times where groups, and so that's where these kind of groups become important. It's like, okay, this group, you're not doing chores today. We just do little chores in the morning. You're on kind of a... Uh, shower you have showers and access to washer dryer those types of things so again if no one's using it and it's in the afternoon you're doing your independent time you can use that to take another shower if that's important to you your designated time won't be every day um, but it's possible you could shower every day if it's available that type of that type of thing so that's the idea when we go to the mountain camp there will not be a kind of running water there um Basically, the way those work, it's not an outhouse, so don't. And it's not, it's very clean. They, they look like uh, outhouse stalls, but they have these toilets. They're called compost toilets, and they just work like you just sit on them and you sit on them and you go, and uh, it just doesn't get flushed down. There's no water involved, and so they're they're very clean and easy to manage, and uh, you shouldn't be too worried about that. Um, there will be two two for girls and one for the boys. Um, during that time, there are not showers up at the mountain camp. There is a stream running through there that you can get yourself kind of wet and cool off, but, uh, there's no shower up there. We do have, they call them camp showers where they're basically this bag that's got this black surface that gets really warm. And so that we use that mostly just for emergencies, like for rinsing off cuts or things like that. And I do think if there's someone who's very desperate to 
take a shower, they could maybe um, run down back down to the farm camp. They're only a few miles away. So maybe a group, we could just organize that during independent time to head back down to the farm camp and do showers and things like that. So the mountain camp will be three days. And so that will be like a true camping experience, right? It'll be intense. We'll be cooking on the campfire. We'll be doing all these kind of true camping things. So that will be kind of the beginning of the second week. The remainder of the second week will be based out of the farm camp again, but we'll be on field trips most of the days. So we'll be traveling in the school bus, the, the camp bus, to different locations. And so um, that one, we probably won't, will probably be some opportunities for showers in the morning and then afterwards. But a lot of those times we'll be swimming. You'll be in kind of uh, getting yourself wet in the kind of the hot springs river, things like that. So uh, we'll have to just play that by ear. I'm sure some of you don't mind showering. Some of you really desperately need a shower every day, but we'll be back for the remainder of that second week at the farm camp with flushing toilets and toilets and uh, showers and washer dryer, things like that. Okay. Um, I think that's about it about the bathroom details. Uh, and we've talked about it a few times, but good to keep talking about it. All right. So enough preamble. Let's talk a little bit about uh, this week's Nearpod lesson and a kind of flip assignment. So it's a little bit different. So one of the language in the wild core objectives is we want to emphasize the connections of U.S. and China on environmental challenges and issues and things like that. So for this week, the Nearpod lesson, as an independent, you can do it on your own. We're not doing it as a group. Um, what you do is you go in there, and there's a few. There's a Chinese essay of varying levels. So you have the kind of easier, a little bit harder, a little bit even harder. You could try to read them all. Um, on the, each one of those, in the top left corner, you're going to see a little button with a book. That's called Immersive Reader. And that's a button that allows you to, you click on that and you can have the text be read out loud. You can actually have translation. You can narrow the text down so you're only reading one line at a time. You can make it bigger, all sorts of stuff to help you access that Chinese reading. And uh, we're just going to ask you to rate what's more comfortable for you, which level is more comfortable for you. And this is talking about a very specific subject. So following those three uh, Chinese essays, uh, there's also two English-based news stories with videos that talk about uh, this thing where in the Intermountain West, which is the region of kind of Idaho, uh, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, kind of uh, Western Colorado, these types of areas, kind of Northern Arizona, Northern New Mexico. It's kind of the Rocky Mountain Range, Intermountain West, we call this. Um, there's a really unique thing that happens. So they're very dry. We've talked about that in last week's, these hanganzao, these right? This hanganzao, uh, the chiho, right? It's a really dry climate, but it's high elevation. And so we have short growing seasons here. Now, what's interesting because of that, because of this dry, uh, short um, growing season, we have this alfalfa hay. So alfalfa is this really mushu. That's what you call it. And so hay is gan cao. You'll see those in the quizlet list. Gan cao. And you put them hay bales. Gan cao kun. Gan cao kun. So what happens is the farmers here, they grow the, the best hay in the world, really. It's really amazing. Uh, we, they grow the best hay in the world. On our property, we have lots of this alfalfa hay mixed with grass. And some of them are just kind of general grass mixes, not necessarily alfalfa. But they grow, it grows really slow <laughs> and it grows not that fast, but it has tons of nutrients in it because it doesn't grow very fast. And it loves the high elevation and it loves the hot weather, uh, but it does require a lot of our water and we don't have tons of water here. 
And so it becomes a problem, as you'll see in those news stories, because a lot of these areas, our water just goes to the hay. And we can't eat the hay, right? Uh, we can't consume the hay. It, it all goes to animal feed. And animals are the ones that can really process that stuff. Because uh, we've talked about, I talk about this in the Quizlet uh, video a little bit, but basically animals, uh, the, these grazing animals, these ruminant uh, they, they can ruminate, they can ruminate, it's chewing the cud. So basically they have a multiple, multiple stomach digestive system. It's really challenging to digest grass. It's really challenging to digest alfalfa, these high fiber things. Uh, you'll, you'll, if you look at a carnivore's digestive system, it's really simple. You know, it's just not, it's not a super complex thing, but, uh, this is where, uh, kind of these ruminants, they are very good at processing grasses. They're the only ones can really eat alfalfa. Mushu, gansao. I think they're the only ones that can eat alfalfa hay. So a lot of it goes to these animals. They can process it. But the Intermountain West really grows the best stuff in the world. But we can't grow very much of it. Uh, so, for example, in California, uh, in Jiaozhou, where a lot of you are coming from, they can grow, they can get what they call 10 cuts of alfalfa hay every year. Whereas where we are, we're lucky if we get three, maybe this year we'll get four if it warms up enough. But our hay, the, what we do cut is a lot more nutrient dense, has a lot more nutrients within it um, than the kind of hay grown in California, even though there's more of it. So it's kind of a highly sought after thing. So what ends up happening is a lot of the hay around here gets packed up and the best of it, and the farmers here really want this to happen because they make the most money but it gets sent to these kind of plants and they they squash it down. There's a lot of these in kind of around, there's some in Salt Lake and there's some in Southern Utah. There's some in uh, kind of Idaho, a little bit further North, but they get squashed down. All the moisture gets taken out of it and they get loaded on these cargo ships and they get shipped to China and it, and the Middle East. Uh, last year I was actually in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, U, the UAE, United Arab Emirates. And uh, we were in the... Uh, close to the empty quarter. So it's the, it's kind of the border of the UAE and Saudi Arabia. It's very remote. It's just pure sand dune deserts, just really, really out there. We were on the border and there was this really cool place we were visiting there and, uh, really far out there. And I was talking to the guy about the camels cause they're all eating hay. And I looked at it and it looked like alfalfa hay. It looked exactly like what we grow here. And the guy's like, yeah, we, we import this. So import, that's good word, jinko. So that's to in the mouth, jinko. And then to export is chuko. So yeah, it's like we import all this and it mostly comes from Europe and the United States. <laughs> and so it was just funny for me to be in this random, really remote part of the desert and to see hay that maybe came from the fields of Idaho. So the problem is that a lot of our water is getting put into this these, the alfalfa hay, and it's getting shipped to China. And so the question is like, why would China buy our grass? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, do they not have a lot of this pasture land? And the answer is really, they, they don't. A lot of it's dedicated to other agricultural purposes. China actually has a lot less agricultural areas than you would think. Um, they have a lot of land, but a lot of that Western part of China is just way too high in elevation, way higher than us to grow very much. It's very challenging and they have such high population, right? A lot of the land gets used up for places for people to live and to grow things like, you know, rice and soy and, 
and uh, all sorts of these other crops that are maybe more valuable than than uh, forage, gansao for um, cattle and things like that. So it's not a very big part of it, um, and it's really hard because they've had they were trying to provide a lot for a very large population, and it's just really challenging to dedicate farmland for hay production. And what's ended up happening is in China, it's cheaper for the hay to be uh, imported or exported from the U.S., imported to in, into China. Jinko uh, and chuko, I love those, out the mouth and in the mouth. <laughs> uh, it's actually cheaper to buy hay from people in Idaho. Um, and they talk about that in the news story. So basically, those all these shipping containers, because we have a trade imbalance, so what's happening is China is shipping a lot more stuff to U.S. than the U.S. is shipping to China. So these big cargo ships don't want to go back empty, so they'll, they won't charge very much to put stuff on the boats going back to China. So the shipping costs are really low. And it's just there's one of these weird, remarkable results of globalization in that these farmers in Idaho would pack up their grass and put it on ships and ship it to China to feed their cows. It's really fascinating. So uh, for this week, uh, you're going to read those. You're going to respond to the assignments on the Nearpod. But for this week's flip assignment, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, some of you have a little bit more advanced Chinese than others. And this one's going to be a little bit more gaoji. So we're giving you the option. If you want to take on the challenge, uh, you can. And we encourage some of you more advanced speakers to take on this challenge. So in the flip video response uh, we're going to ask you to do this week, you can do it in Chinese or English. You can make the choice. So basically you're going to respond to the to this uh, thing that's happening. You're going to respond to what your opinion is. So do you think that we should ship so much China over to... Uh, oh my gosh. Ships over to China. How embarrassing. That's the first mistake I've ever made, actually. Very first one. You were witness to it. Okay, I hope I don't make another one because that's my first one. All right, what we're going to, the question is, and better if you read it rather than me bumble around about it. The question is, uh, should we, as the U.S., as the Intermountain West, use so much of our water to grow grass and, and ship it to China? Should we do that? Is that something we should do with our resources? Does it make sense? We live in a drought-stricken areas that don't get very much water at all. Should most of our water go towards growing alfalfa hay to be shipped over to China and other places. And there's no right or wrong answer to this, but you're going to have to be persuasive. So remember when you're talking, when you're forming your opinion, you need to say, yes, I think that because, right? So if you're doing this in English, you would say something like, I think that we should, you know, da, 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 because da, 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 and try to give multiple good reasons. Really think it out. Because this, because this, because this. Bonus points if you do a little bit more research. In Chinese, you could say something like, Okay, so that would be kind of your, your structure. So those words that we are in the Quizlet, Quizlet um, are going to be really useful to you. They got the, the hay in there. They got the gan cao and the mu shu. And the uh, uh what is it? Gan cao kun. And then I gave you some new words here about the chu kou and jing kou. So remember, chu kou is the stuff going out from your country. That's export. And if it's coming into your country, it's jing kou. 
it enters the mouth. So an export, it's going out, it's leaving the mouth, chuko. And it's it's entering your country, it's entering the mouth. Jinko. Jinko. Alright, so that's your near pod assignment or your flip assignment. You're gonna voice your opinion. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, but you gotta give some reasons. I would I would say aim for two or three reasons. I think this. Da da da. This is my opinion. Because da 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 da. Okay. And then next week, so the following week, we're gonna ask you to respond to other people's. So uh, you're going to choose to do this in recap. You're going to do this in English or Chinese. uh, And then you're going to record the video and flip this week. And then next week, the assignment's going to be you're going to respond. So we really need you to, yeah, do a good job uh, because people are going to be watching, watching all these and responding. Again, if you don't feel comfortable, you can do it in English. We're okay with that for this one, just because we're trying to reach this objective and help you understand some of these environmental challenges that the U.S. and and, uh, China are facing together. Okay, that is actually it um, for now. So we'll just say 谢谢 and 再见. We'll talk to you later.